Welcome, Welcome to, to Bibles and Bonnets. Hey, I'm your host, Praise. And I'm your co-host, Cheyenne. Get comfy, grab a Bible, and most of all, don't forget your bonnet for this evening's episode. Hi again. Um, this is the season finale of John and the podcast, and we're going to do John chapter 20 and 21. But overall, we're going to start off with a prayer pray in I don't know where my voice is today we're gonna pray in (laughs) so dear father God in a precious name of Jesus Lord um I know you said when two or more gather your presence is here I pray that you help us get through this Bible study in a timely manner and that we both take away something from this learning about it learning about the last chapters of John I pray that you just be with us help me say the right things and Jesus name I pray amen so um how was your week Leah Oh, my week was good. So I was my week was good. Um, what? <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'll tell you about my week while we wait. My week was good, too. I The stuff I was working on went well. My projects are going well, so I'm happy for that. Um, my beautiful cousin Cheyenne is on her way. She'll probably make it to the second half of this but um her week I think has been going well too she's been in and out doing hair all weekend and we're about to move into the next week of her friends being here even though I'm kind of leaving to New York for tomorrow so I think overall yeah my week has been going good that's good I'm sorry um my week was good I'm over I'm uh with my family in Brooklyn and uh we had a whole bunch of stuff this week like birthday parties and general reveals and it's been cool though it's been really fun i'm happy for you i'm so happy it's going well yeah but um we can start do you have um a bible with you at your mom's house or do you are you just gonna listen to me as i read along um i have the bible app that's fine if you have the app it's fine that's that's fine (laughs) so do you remember what happened in john chapter 19 um, it was when chapter 19 was that the chapter where I'm so sorry for my language. Uh, that was the chapter Jesus was crucified. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. Jesus yeah, was crucified, chapter, and you know? I believe he was talking about Roman crucifixion and the serial killer energy they were giving because of their methods of execution still don't understand it to this day he's talking about Pilate because we we knew that he didn't want to um what's the word I'm looking for we know he didn't want to charge Jesus and he was running out of options because they was just like oh well if you don't charge him if you let him free you're not a friend of Caesar the last thing he wanted to hear is not being a friend of Caesar it felt like he just did he had really no control over it and he kept trying to talk to Jesus, in my opinion, to make him say something that would help him get him out of here. But yeah, that was chapter 19. So we're going to jump right into chapter 20, because like I said, we're doing both chapters, the final two chapters today. So I'll, when you're ready, I'm reading from the New King James Version. I think on the Bible app, you can switch versions. And I'm going to start from verse 1 to 10. And if you have any questions, just stop me and let me know. Okay. Okay. Let me... Um... Okay. 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 So I'll start reading. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark 
and saw that the stone had been taken away, taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Then he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. So one thing to keep in mind is that the temple was guarded by Roman guards, as we will read in Matthew, to ensure that no one would go into the tomb and take away his body. Um, I mentioned this in the Resurrection Sunday episode as well, because it's like, first of all, no one was messing with those Roman guards. <laughs> the Roman guards, no one was messing with those Roman guards. That's why they was there, because they took their position seriously. It's not like if someone comes up to them and bribe them, oh, let me give you a few shekels, let me give you a few golden coins, and maybe I'll let Genji's by. They would have killed him. They, no one was messing with those guards. So for Mary to come to see the tomb and see the stone was moved away, and that the Roman guards were not even there. That's a bizarre sight because another thing about the Roman guards, had they left, that's death on them. So it was like, they would have left and um, messed up that whole mission for the sake of their lives. So it's something bigger than they had to scare them away for them to truly leave their post. Because even them leaving wholeheartedly, they know just death. It would lead to death. Also... So the sight, for her to see all that, it was probably really bizarre to her and to Peter and John, who the the disciple who Jesus loved. And Jesus was also, he had been telling the disciples about what would happen to him and his resurrection. But as we have seen, you know, they didn't really understand. They kept getting confused whenever Christ would try to describe something. Then they'd be like, oh my gosh, what does he mean? And no one who would come to steal the body mind you, would take the time to unwrap it and literally leave the clothes behind, let alone fold it. you telling me you're going to steal a body, take off the clothes neatly, fold the clothes, because apparently now you have time. Now you're a thief who has time. You're going to put the clothes neatly there, then steal the body. A thief would be a rush in, take the body, leave. Whatever he dropped, whatever he dropped. He wouldn't go that far to fold clothes. That don't make sense. So when John saw the scenery and examined it, it was at that moment he believed that, you know, Christ rose from the dead. And disciples believed because of what they saw, not because of what they knew from, like, Old Testament passages describing Christ's resurrection. And it's likely that they, another commentary, this is from a commentary, it's likely that they are worried that the body had been stolen or is being defiled by further by Jesus' enemies. And John was most likely younger than Peter, so he arrives first but hesitates. Because I found it funny that, John was outrunning Peter. I don't know why I thought it was in the head. I found that, like, I just see Peter trying to run to the tomb. And then you have John. He's he's a runner. He's a track star. He's out. I imagine him, like, full thrusting over there. Then, also it says, Peter proceeds with his usual aggressiveness and enters, basically, the tomb area. And John saw the grave clothes from the outside, but doesn't notice the face coverings until he follows Peter inside. 
and this cloth is carefully folded, which triggers a realization for John. However, they leave. They didn't share any of this to Mary. They didn't share their thoughts with Mary. They just left. Oh, so they didn't go to Mary. Right. Okay, yeah. So they see wow. the scene, survey everything, dip. Mary is still there, though. Then they left. So if I'm going to read again from 11 to 18. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So like I mentioned before, Mary is still at the scene. She didn't leave with Peter and John. And she looked deeper into the tomb and she's crying because she generally believes that someone took Jesus and probably put him elsewhere. Don't understand what happened to his body. Thought it was just like something went down, took him, doesn't know what's going on with it. And she doesn't even realize that the two angels and Jesus literally asked why she was crying. She didn't even realize the person she's crying about is really in front of her saying, hey, why are you weeping? You know, and his identity slipped from her. It reminds me almost of Nicodemus when he didn't realize that Jesus was in front of him, like the truth. And he's like asking him, what does it mean to be born again? What, is it, what does this mean? What's the truth? What, tell me the answers. And Jesus is right in front of him telling him the truth. And he's the truth. You know, that's kind of what this scene reminded me of. And it literally wasn't until Jesus said her name that she recognized him. And um, when it said, do not cling to me, one of the commentaries said um, that Mary had grabbed Jesus and was holding on to him as if she would never turn him loose. Like, you know how when, I don't know if you ever did this before, I think I have, when your parents are walking, but you grab onto their foot and then you want them to walk while you're grabbing onto their foot. So I imagine a cling like that, like, oh, I'm not going to let you go. And what was I going to say? And my brethren referred to this, referred to the disciples and Mary, and Jesus sent Mary to them with the first post-resurrection testimony. And another commentary that I liked is said that Jesus chooses to appear to women first is significant. This speaks to Jesus' elevation of women as spiritual equals of men and to the honesty of the gospel accounts. Jesus asks Mary to tell the others what has happened and she obeys. So now, are you good? Everything's good so far with the process and the explaining? Do you have any questions? Okay. Yeah. All right, so... Okay, that's good. All right. So we're going to read from 19 to 23. We're almost done. We're almost done. 19 to 23. Okay. Then this. Okay, sorry. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
because remember his side was um punctured by the by the spear then his then the disciples were glad when they saw the lord so jesus said to them again peace to you as the father has sent me i also send you and when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the holy spirit if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained another thing i mentioned in the resurrection sunday episode is that the disciples went into hiding because they were scared of the jewish leaders and they were scared of what would happen to them you know they saw jesus get arrested and all this stuff and they're just like oh my gosh i don't know what's happening we out we going into hiding we're retreating swim away and this is why it debunks the possibility of them rushing the roman guards moving the stone and taking Jesus' body because at this point they was worried about their safety. You think they went in there and back they retreated and they was just like, so how are we going to get Jesus out? Who's, who's doing this? Peter, you bring out the stone. You're going to hit the Roman soldiers from the back. First of all, they wouldn't have gotten far. Let me be honest with you. The Roman soldiers would have beat them senseless. They would have beat them up. That's why with like Roman guards, it's like one against a lot. They can handle themselves. So had the disciples even tried that, they would have got knocked out. <laughs> funny. And then on top of that, who's moving the stone? Because it takes more than one person to move the stone. It would have took a whole group community effort to move that stone. So that's why none of them would have been, it's not like any of them went in and tried to steal Jesus' body at all. It made no sense. Um, and again, the doors were closed. And Jesus still came and stood in their midst. And he told the disciples to carry on Christ's work. You know, as the Father sent me, I sent you. Like, go out there. And Jesus, another commentary, echoes God's act of creation in Genesis 2 verse 7 by breathing a partial indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. As he has done before, Jesus notes their spiritual perspective includes the ability to perceive matters of sin and salvation. The men are not given the power to directly forgive, only the ability to recognize that which has already been forgiven. And the apostles knew that only God could forgive sins. Jesus was speaking of the gospel to all the world so that those who believe in Jesus can find the precious gift of forgiveness. Because, you know, through him we're cleansed. And to continue, actually, to end off the chapter of 20, we're going to read from 24 to 31. All right, so... Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look into my and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may have life in his name. So, remember Mr. Hardcore Thomas, 
the, like the guy, that one guy who's like, let us go so that we may die <laughs> with him, so that we may die with him. When they was going to see, I believe, Lazarus, and he was the only one because he took it an entirely different way. Let us go so that we may die because he thought they was laying down their lives or something. That same guy. He was the most resistant. Oh, okay, okay. He was the most resistant when they came to him. Hey, Jesus is here. We've seen the Lord. No, he literally purposely chose not to believe until he's seen it with his eyes. Wow. The proof was that they seen it. They literally gave him a testimony. Hey, we've seen him. He wanted to mm -hmm. see it face to face, in person, mm -hmm. put his hand through it as if they found a con artist who magically had the same you know, nail hole in hand as Jesus did, which is really bizarre. Yeah. And mm -hmm. what was I going to say? He wasn't there originally when Jesus appeared to the other disciples What I just read before when they was in a room and Jesus appeared and he was like, peace be with you. He needed yeah. more proof. So he needed more physical proof in order to believe that the other disciples saw Jesus. Cause you know, wasn't enough. It's not like we had, they had Instagram, I guess. And <laughs> he, he literally only believed him after he saw the proof which led him to believe that christ was risen from the dead and the resurrection proved christ's deity and blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed all who have believed in christ since his ascension to the father us and that includes us too and john points out that jesus did many things in the disciples presence that were not written in this book but the stuff written in this book is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that we may have eternal life through him. So it's like a testimony, eyewitness account, like, hey, I've seen this. I'm writing this down so mm -hmm. you may also believe the stuff I've seen through him. And this parallels the modern skeptic who insists on unreasonable levels of evidence only to ask for even more if those requirements are met. It's like, you know, those unbelievers, people who don't take Christ seriously, you can literally show them proof, hey, God is real. Boom, boom, boom. And they'll be like, I need more proof. I need more proof. Anything you say, you can literally have a debate with someone. Get all your points across. Make sense. Not even talk in circles around them. Just counter every point they make. And they'll still be like, I need more proof. I need to see it. And I, then some of the people are going to be the, I need to see it and prove people. And it's going to be too late for them. Some people is really yeah. going to be too late because they're going to choose to not believe, choose to waste all this time and believe when they're standing before God. And he's like, depart from me. I don't know you. And that's just the sad reality because mm -hmm. the gate is narrow. So it's just like Thomas was one of the, like, I have to see, even though he was a disciple, but I have to see it. And mm -hmm. Thomas even refers to Jesus as my God, which Jesus does not dispute. Rather, Jesus notes the blessing of being given extra proof and the greater measure of faith required by those who will come after. And also, again, not every single detail has been recorded doesn't mean it didn't happen. Like, just because we only read such some parts of the gospel and they recorded some of the stuff Jesus did, that doesn't mean that's only the stuff he did, you know? He did many other things. Yeah. But just because we're not, we don't see it in a book, like I said, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And some of this reason is for space. Because if I'm pretty sure if they wrote a whole book about what Jesus did, it, it would be really big. It would, it, I don't, I don't think it would cover. <laughs> I don't think we will finish it in our lifetime. It'll probably be passed down. <laughs> that book will be passed down for generations to finish it. Not even to start it from the beginning to finish it. And that is the end of chapter twenty. Did you have 
Um, anything to go over? Did you have any questions before we reach chapter 21? Or are you still moving along fine? I mean, I'm waiting. I'm honestly excited to read the next one. <laughs> okay. So, last chapter, we're going to read verse 1 to 7. All right. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and, the two, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. <laughs> so and Jesus appears to this, the rewind. Jesus appears to the disciples again, right? Who went fishing and caught nothing through the night. Remember before some of them, some of the disciples were fishermen, including Peter, including Peter before, you know, going on their walk with Christ. And in Matthew, we will go over how when Jesus first resurrected, he passed along instructions for the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And eventually the disciples made their way back to Galilee to wait for Jesus. So granted, the distance from the shore might have played a part in why they didn't realize it was Jesus, as well as the fact that they were preoccupied with their work because they were fishing. And also another thing to keep in mind is there was not much light in this time of day. The time of day refers to daybreak. So it was still dim wasn't like how it is like right now just sunshiny where i am right now the sun is blasting no and they still listen to him despite the fact of not recognizing him they listened to him and casted the net on the right side of the boat and caught a multitude of fish that they couldn't bring up so if you want to imagine it imagine it um finding nemo at the end when you know where they was in that net of fish and then all of them swim down swim down so the way yeah. I feel like the as much fish as they caught what and how they couldn't pull it up was the same way that the in that scene when they the fish were swimming down and they couldn't pull up the net because the net was so heavy. So that's how I keep it in mind. Um also verse 4 when he Jesus was like children do you have any food? This question was probably regarded as a request to buy fish. And okay. to which the disciples said no. And John noticed the Lord first, then Peter, but Peter was the first to act. And Peter's decisions, let's be honest, they weren't the best. <laughs> we, they weren't really the best, but we, he did have zeal for the Lord that would be channeled to good use. He had that passion. As I call him, he had passion. He just had to grow. <laughs> he, just, he just needed some of that seasoning of character development. And then he got great. You know what? He got way better in Acts. When we get to Acts, I'm telling you, got way better. And now to continue from verse 8 to 14. <clears throat> but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. 
Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So in this cute little scene, they ate together. This is literally what happens afterwards when, you know, Peter plunged into the sea and then you have all this stuff going on. They're like, oh, snap, it's Jesus, it's the Lord, it's our Lord. And again, Jesus appeared to them, which can denounce the notion that one, they were making this up because they wasn't. Two, they can't, it's not one of those things where, you know, when you think, oh, hold on. But yeah, um, what was I saying? Uh, So yeah, so it's not like it was one of those things that they see Jesus, but you think you see somebody, you're like, oh, I'm bugging out. Because one time when I was little, when I lived in the projects, I thought, I saw this old man. I could have sworn up and down he was my grandfather. And I sent all my siblings after him. I said, his grandpa. It was not my grandfather. I felt so bad for that man. It was not my grandfather. So yeah, I, it denounces the notion that they just assumed that they saw him and didn't doubt at his return because they saw him like one and a half times. And now they're referring to the disciples as a group because one thing to remember is that John himself has seen the Lord three additional times before this one. They said with Mary. So another, so actually, yeah, that's about it for what I have to say there. And now we're going to read from, oh wait, are you good with everything, Leah? Is everything okay? Yeah, I get it. So now we're going to read from 15 to 19. Okay. So when G, uh, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he will glorify God. And when he heard and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So, again, remember only an X amount of days ago, this same guy, Mr. Peter, um, Lord, I die for you, that Peter. He denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. And as the Lord predicted, and again, he denied because he's like, Lord, I'll die for you. I'll die. No, you won't, Peter. Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Peter, no, you won't. Don't do it. You will not do it, Peter. So, yeah. So yeah, Peter claimed he had extraordinary love for Christ and loyalty. And when he said more than these means more than the other disciples. So 10 means to shepherd. And as we know, the Lord is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Lambs need to be fed and sheep need to be guided. So Peter would need to care for the diverse people in different ways as Christ has done with his disciples. 
And the, this three times repeated question echoes his own three times repeated denial of Christ. It's also a subtle way of Jesus hinting that just because Peter had said something is no guarantee that he'll act accordingly. Like how I mentioned before, just because you think in a moment or something based on how you're feeling that you'll do something is not guaranteed that you'll act that way in a certain situation like for example i can be like if this happened to me i would do x y and z and then that happens to me and then i do abc it don't like just i don't know how i would act in that situation unless i've really been through the situation and in verse 18 through 19 jesus predicts peter's death so peter would be bound as a criminal and the day would come when peter would be under the control of roman executioners who would carry him where he not wished to go which is death his death is hinted in second peters 1 verse 13 and 14 and jesus's words confirmed the early church tradition that peter was crucified upside down when i was writing this i kind of almost teared up because it's real that's a really gruesome death i jesus crucifixion is already a gruesome death but to be crucified upside down to me is just like it was so sickening because it's not like these men of god had like you know all of them just oh it's so peaceful and stuff paul was beheaded peter was crucified upside down um i forgot what happened to james but it was not pretty it was just really crazy especially when back in the day how they used to do the circus when they would throw the christians in the lion's den and just watch the lions eat them up it was just something that it was kind of hard for me and that's why i literally had to stop and breathe in and out and i searched up crucified upside down because i want to see it only because I thought that they put the nail through the head for some reason when it's literally just upside down and your feet, I guess, are tied and you're hung upside down and the nails is in between your hands and stuff to keep you up and your arms are stretched out. And literally there was a voice in my head because I felt like crying and then the voice was like, why are you weeping? Like, why are you crying? And I'm just like, because Peter was crucified upside down. This is all going on in my head. Peter was crucified upside down. And then the voice goes, but he's better now. He's in a better place. Like, no more weeping, no more crying, no more pain ever again. And I was just like, you know what? That calms me down. That literally calmed me down. I was like, you know what? It's an event. To die is gain, especially for Christ. Is, he did not lose anything. I am for sure positive that Peter is up there living it up. He's not going through any more weeping, gnashing of teeth, especially Paul in them. And it also made me just realize that this is like a real thing that we're doing. Like how I mentioned in the beginning, this isn't a lie, a fairy tale or a fallacy that I'm just trying to give you guys in hopes for a bedtime story that y'all remember. This is real life. That's something that's happened in the past. Jesus is eternal. He's, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Jesus is eternal. That's basically the sentence. Jesus is eternal and he will come again. That's main message is he will come again. And we have to be prepared for that. And so what else did I want to read? Okay, so while a terrible fate, this prophecy also confirms that Peter's faith will never fail again. He will be loyal to Christ even to the point of death, just as he once bragged. And that made me happy. For some reason, that, no, that really made me happy. Because, you know, first Peter was just like, I'll die for you, I'll die for you. Then he denies Christ three times, dips, probably felt really guilty about that. And then now it's like... After this little sprinkle of character development, it turns into he will really it will die for Christ. That's something that ends up happening. He literally died for Jesus. And I was just like, man's Peter, that's my man's Peter. He did that. I was like, I just wanted to give him a clap. Just sit here and how he did. He went in like Peter had that passion for Jesus. And he went in after this goes off. So now I will read 20 
to 25 and end it off. But before I end it off, does anyone have any questions? Anyone have any questions? No? Okay. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Peter looks to John. (laughs) Peter looks to John and questions what is to happen to John, basically. And Jesus makes it clear that it doesn't matter to Peter what is to happen to him because what matters ultimately is that Peter follows Christ. And but of course, the one last hoorah for this chapter of the disciples being confused, they took this and ran a mile and they said, oh, oh, John's not going to die. John's going to be, you know, John's not dying. He's not dying. He's alive. He's going to be alive. And that's exactly, Jesus did not say anything like that. Jesus never said that. So this is the same disciple who testified of these things, wrote this book, and had he written every single thing that Jesus did, to be honest, as me and Leah talked about earlier. It would be a multitude of books that even the world itself could not contain. I love this. I literally snapped at it. Poetry. And this goes to show you how much more Jesus did in his earthly ministry than what was written. Like how I mentioned before, just because we only read about the 5,000, the blind that he healed and everyone else, it doesn't mean that's all he did. It's just what was recorded for a purpose. He, he did way much more. That doesn't take away from the fact that he did so much things that we have not heard about and doesn't make it any less true. So what happened to John again is irrelevant to Peter's faith, and Peter simply needs to follow Christ regardless of God's will for other people. Unfortunately, some believers misinterpret Jesus' remarks, as we know. Though he is refusing to make a prediction about John, some assume this means John will live forever, or at least until Jesus returns. John makes a point of repeating Jesus' exact words to show this was not the case. And the last verses of the Gospel of John act as a signature or a certification. These words seem to be a combination of John's own writing, the validation of a scribe, and possibly the endorsement of a local church. John may have switched from an assistant recording his speech to handwriting at the end of the letter. This reference to we know that confirms that others validated John's message. This might be a note included by those to whom John first gave this writing. John ends his eyewitness account by reminding the reader that no single book could contain every detail of Jesus's earthly ministry. And that, my friends, is the end of John chapter 21, the end of the book of John. So yay! We did it! It took, I don't know how long it took, but it took some time, but we got through it. It It took like five months, I feel like. Yeah, because there's four weeks in a month, and we did like four Bible studies a month. Sometimes five. Four to five. But yeah. yeah. This is, as you can, as ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, my cousin is 
currently on her way back home from work. Yeah. Um, I am so sorry for my absence. I really wanted to be here for the, the last chapter. I feel like it's such a significant, um, like, just the end of the book. But, you know, as life happens. Um, not everything is in our control. As I mentioned before, if everything was in our control, we'd be God. So nothing is, it happened the way it happened, and it's okay. Um, does yeah. anyone have any remarks or questions about the book of John or the chapter we just read or anything like that that I can hopefully answer? Oh, okay. Well, honestly, I'm very thankful that you guys came every week. I'm generally happy for the friendships that I've made since starting this. Look at you, Fira, and you too, Leah. I'm so happy to have met to get to know you guys better. I felt like this felt like a family as well as teaching, and I can't wait for season two. We're going to do the book of Luke. That is confirmed. We are doing the book of Luke, and yeah, I'm just grateful. I can't even say how grateful I am that you guys came and that you know I love you guys so much. I'm not going to fake cry on the camera, but you know, yeah. We love you too. I'm 10 minutes away. Okay, pray out. Thank you. Cheyenne's going to pray out from her car with her eyes open and driving. Yay. We love All a right. good challenge. Can y'all hear me fine? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, everybody can bow their heads, keep their eyes slanted, close, wide open, cross-eyed, <laughs> looking down, looking up. Um, yeah. So, Father God, we just want to say thank you for everything. This whole journey has been really just amazing to go through, to read your word all together as a community, and just the discussion that's been brought about and the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the friendship and everything that's come from it has really been a blessing. And so I just want to thank you for everything. Um, and we pray that we can keep the same energy going into season two and even better. Um, and I pray for all the girls that joined us along the way and Jalen. And um, in the name of Jesus, I pray amen. Amen. This concludes this week's episode of Bibles and Bonnets. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe to us on our Spotify and Apple podcast. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Later, guys.